to me, it starts with the leaders. If revenue operations is not aligned with leadership, it likely means that we are not working very effectively together, right? The majority of the revenue operations, insights, and outcomes that we should be driving should be directly and materially contributing back to the goals that the sales leadership team has. And then they should be helping us to ensure that we're translating that effectively for all of their reps. And so if the leadership is not bought into what it is we're doing, we're likely either working on the wrong problems or we need to take a big step back and reset our objectives. Welcome to Revenue Insights. Every week, we'll be joined by revenue leaders from some of the most successful and highest growing companies. Together, we explore how they built their revenue teams, the journeys that they've been on, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Revenue Insights is brought to you by Ebster. We're a revenue intelligence platform designed to help revenue teams to build more pipeline, close more deals, and retain more customers. Hello, and welcome to Revenue Insights. This week, we are joined by Jacqueline Bourbon, who is the VP of Operations at Bamboo Health, and before that was Director of Sales Operations over at Session M. Uh, Jacqueline, great to have you join us. I'm excited to be here. Amazing. First question, which I kind of always ask everyone, what's your story? Yeah, so, you know, I think like a lot of people who have worked in sales operations and, and you know, revenue operations, my background was a somewhat, you know, uh, sort of journey of um, fortuitous circumstances and following, you know, areas of curiosity and interest that that I discovered, you know, along my way. Uh, revenue operations has exploded recently and, and has continued to pick up traction as a critical business function. Um, but certainly, you know, when I graduated college and was, you know, starting out my, my journey in the workforce, um, I had never heard of sales operations. And so, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, my background sort of comes from taking opportunities that I felt like, you know, really intersected with my interests and my passions and jumping into what I found um, exciting to work on. And that sort of evolved into what, what became the first sales operations role at um, a company I worked for called Saving Star. Um, and then continued to evolve from there, you know, but I'm, I'm sure for many people in operational roles, they, they started in a variety of different functions um, and figured out that they were really good at asking the right questions and putting, you know, pieces and parts together and pulling out insights from data and building out effective processes. And, and all of a sudden that became a job. Um, you know, and then a career and a passion that they continue to follow. And I'm no different than that. Um, so it's been a fun journey because I've been able to, um, you know, sort of through the support of a lot of really great managers and organizations, follow those interests. Um, and, you know, now where I am today, I have, I've had the opportunity to, to do that type of work in a, a number of different companies and with really fantastic teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say it's, it's a really a, an organic journey. Um, and, you know, for anyone thinking about their journeys, the the biggest um, sort of thing that I did, and in hindsight, it, it probably looks more intentional than it really was, was to, you know, sort of uh, optimize for opportunities that allowed me to jump in, ask a bunch of questions, figure things out for myself and add a ton of value. Um, and that allowed me to just continue to learn more and grow. 
What I what I love, which is a common trend across a lot of the uh, um, uh, guests that we've had on the show, and uh, Tony, I'd love your kind of perspective on this. Is everyone see everyone that I talk to in revenue operations is curious and loves <laughs> asking questions? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think if you don't have that, you you don't you don't succeed. And, and Tony, I'd love to hear you know a little bit about you know how that shows up for you. Oh, for sure. I think, um, like you say, I think anyone from an opportun- uh, from from an ops point of view is is looking to understand how everything fits together. And the only way that you can do that, where you're a little bit separated and you're not on the floor and you're not doing that particular role, is to sit there and be really annoying and 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 sit there with with the person that's doing the role. And like, oh, so how did you do that? And why does that connect to that? And why would you? do that particular thing and what sort of skill do you need to have to do this so it all kind of starts to fit together but absolutely and I think what resonated there what you said there um, Jacqueline is when you have a really nice organization that's surrounding you and some really great leaders surrounding you that almost encourage that curiosity and allow you to keep digging into that skill set and really start to find your niches and then be able to explore and explode it from there Um, but yeah absolutely like the um, if you haven't got curiosity you're going to pretty much be sitting there building process on I think that looks like that and that's never ever going to be as close as as what it is that you need to be so yeah I I completely agree do you ever find that it's um that it's challenging you know having that approach where yeah it's been curious but also you're kind of uh you're obviously digging into you know you could be doing this better this could be improved how do you communicate that through to teams which you know particularly in larger organizations you know places like Bamboo Health, Jacqueline, where, you know, you've got large teams, you've got lots of different personalities. How do you, uh, how do you communicate that across to them? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things that I, I lean on consistently are, you know, first of all, the why. So if you don't know why you're doing something at any given time, you should stop and ask or figure it out. Um, you know, if you're doing something because it's the way that it always was done or because someone told you to do that, um, you're probably not going to do it very well and you're probably not going to get a lot of satisfaction out of it. So, you know, first you need to know why you're doing things. Um, And then, you know, second, primarily for operations teams, you need to understand where it is you're trying to go. Um, And even if you don't know all of the steps along the way, you need to have a good understanding of what types of outcomes you want to be delivering. So, um, you know, a, a, a big focus for us is is trying to keep our data as clean and as usable as possible at all times. And that's not just because we love data, it's because we want to be able to extract insights from it. Um, and so just as an example, you know, if someone doesn't know why they're entering information into a platform like Salesforce, they're likely not going to enter as good of information and they're probably going to feel somewhat resentful about the fact that they have to enter it. Um, and if as an operations team, we don't really know what we want to be able to do with it, likely we're asking people to do a bunch of work that's not ultimately going to add a ton of value and people are going to be irritated. If on the other hand, people know why they're entering the information, um, they understand how it might be used in the, in the, you know, the revenue operations team understands how they might leverage it in the future. Likely we're going to, you know, have much more engaged employees because they're going to be contributing to the outcomes. And our ops team is actually going to be able to use the information in really tangible ways to then return value to the revenue organization. You know, so I think that we just have to always continuously come back to the why and ensure, you know, alignment between 
the teams. There's, you know, Salesforce is, is one of those tools that everybody uses and everyone has strong opinions on, but particularly sales teams often feel really burdened by the amount of information that they're asked to put into Salesforce. Um, and at the end of the day, if people don't understand why they're doing it or how it might be used, I'd feel the same way too. And so it's just so critical to be showing the value and, and also delivering back the insights. You know, we need this information in order to understand, um, you know, how we, where we might be breaking in the funnel so that then we can invest in the team and ensure that we're closing those gaps or fixing those problems or whatever it is that we're doing. And here's some of the information that we've actually been able to pull out and then, and, and then address you know, I think it's just critical to be able to close the loop. And anytime you're asking someone to do something, they understand why and they understand the value. Okay. So I'm going to ask the question that I feel like everyone in the audience is going to want to know. How do you get your reps to input data into your CRM? What's the secret? <laughs> I don't know if I've, I, I've, I've not entirely cracked the code. Um, I think anyone who says that they have probably is either embellishing a little bit or uh, <laughs> has a team that, that's probably spending too much time inputting data and not enough time selling. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, there's no, there's no perfect answer. Um, but I do think that prioritization is important. Um, you know, we do ask for a lot of information as much as we can. We try to, um, you know, augment information that, that we might ask the sales reps to input with other data sources so that you know they're not asked to continually input information that we could get in other places. Um, and as much as we can, and it's always a work in progress, we also are trying to combine you know, useful data that the sales team might leverage from other teams back into Salesforce so that you know, it's as powerful as possible. Um, but after that, it is prioritization. You know, there are a certain number or a certain, it's less about the number, and there's a certain set of fields that we care a ton about. Um, there are other fields that are important to us and we would like to be, you know, filled out, but we do prioritize, you know, and, and even in our stage definitions, we ask, um, you know, more fields to be filled out in later stage than we, later stages than we do in earlier stages, Um you know, we ask for more information on close one opportunities than we do on close loss opportunities. You know, and that's not to say that close loss opportunities aren't important. They're they're very important, but we don't need, you know, to use our our sales team's time on, uh, you know, every field just because they're there. So we do try to pick and choose and prioritize and balance as much as we can. And then back to the why. You know, ideally, our sales team feels like they understand why we're asking them to include certain information at certain points, and they're seeing the value from it. You know, their their customers, as they're picked up for implementation, are you know happier and more satisfied because our implementation team was able to utilize information that was entered in Salesforce. Um, you know, to make that handoff more efficient, and you know, to to make the customer experience better. And so, you know, there's there's an understanding of, okay, I input that information. I saw it used and I saw it used well. That was a good investment of my time. Um, you know, again, we haven't fully cracked the code there, um, but the goal is to make sure that we're prioritizing well. Um, you know, we're, what we're asking teams to do is really valuable um, and that they understand why it's valuable and that it's a good use of their time. 
And um, just to just to jump in, Lee. Sorry, I know that you've got a couple of questions there, but um, obviously on RevOps as well. So this is it's, it's, this, all, it's all yours. This is definitely a selfish <laughs> one. But um, as far as so you can obviously we can build in the why into training into process, and we and we can deliver that at user level, manager level. How um, how important would you say um, it would be to have the key stakeholders within the leadership branches of of an organisation? How important is it to have them on board and to have them to really believe in the why and believe in the data? Would you say that's 100% integral? Um, or are you able to achieve what it is that you need to at these user levels um, through your process training and, and onboarding? Yeah, I, to me, it starts with the leaders. Um, if if revenue operations is not aligned with leadership, it likely means that we are not working very effectively together, right? The majority of the revenue operations, insights and outcomes that we should be driving should be directly and materially contributing back to the goals that the sales leadership team has. And then they should be helping us to ensure that we're translating that effectively for, you know, all of their reps. And so if the, if the leadership is not bought into what it is we're doing, we're likely either working on the wrong problems or we need to take a big step back and reset our objectives, you know, and and that starts in the planning process. So making sure that we are, you know, all understanding what are what the plans are, that from a company perspective, there's alignment on those plans, right? So what's good for a sales leader should be good for a sales rep and vice versa. Yeah. What's good for the sales organization should be good for the rest of the organization. We don't want a scenario where the sales organization is celebrating wins and the rest of the organization is saying, yeah. this, this is not great for us. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so ensuring that there's that alignment is, is incredibly important. Um, but, uh, you know, so much of that starts with with sales leadership, you know, and, and I think we've got some great sales leaders in our organization and I'll often see, you know, them proactively, um, you know, and without prodding from revenue operations, sharing out those same talk tracks and messages that we've all discussed so many times. You know, yeah. it's coming down to the end of the quarter. Here are the top opportunities that we're tracking to. Please make sure that opportunities that are no longer, you know, planned to come in this quarter are pushed out so that, you know, we know what we're still, you know, working towards this quarter and that benefits all of us. That's not something that revenue operations needs to, you know, sort of pound the drum on alone because the sales team is utilizing those same tools, that same reporting, those same insights. Um, And so it's just as painful for them as it is for RevOps when, you know, we maybe haven't seen the updates that we would want to see. And so, you know, the sort of the leadership enablement comes first um, because if, if they don't agree, then, we got to solve that problem. And then, and then the, the rep enablement comes and sometimes it goes in both directions, right? We'll learn things from our reps that the sales leaders maybe wouldn't have known themselves because they're not always in the day to day. And so we'll bring those learnings back and, and make them part of our process and, and, you know, adjust as needed to again, ensure that we're aligned with sales leadership. Um, but it's, it's just critical. Okay. Thank you. Cheers. So uh, something that I've kind of noticed across um, a couple of the bits that we've talked about there, you know, particularly on the point of alignment, you know, starting from a leadership perspective and then starting to filter all the way down. I know it's such a common challenge to find that alignment, not just, you know, um, vertically like that, but also like horizontally across teams as well. How do you, from your kind of role as like VP of Revenue Operations, how, how do you start to achieve that kind of alignment? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think this is one that, you know, Bamboo Health in particular is is challenged with because we have a network effect business. And so 
you know, we not only have different teams selling into different segments, but those segments are, you know, sort of contributing value to each other. Um, and the way that that works is incredibly complicated, you know, and you can imagine that, you know, for many network effect businesses, if you want to, um, you know, start a ride hailing business in a new state, like, well, do you go get drivers first? Do you get riders first? Do you get both at the same time? How do you go about doing, you know, how do you go about sort of having that really multi-pronged and strategic go-to-market, um, plan that allows you to be as successful as possible? And then how the heck do you coordinate that back to all of the different teams and all of the different reps so that people are working really well together? You know, add in the complexities of healthcare and political climates and, and all of that, and you you have a challenge on your hands. Um, you know, and, and I think the biggest, the biggest thing that we start with is um, communication and collaboration. So we have an incredible sales organization full of you know, individuals who have a really high degree of ownership um, over what it is that they're working on on an everyday basis, as well as what contributes and what impacts the rest of the team. And so, you know, we're so we're so fortunate to benefit from, um, you know, individuals who take it upon themselves to ensure that as they learn more, you know, whether it's in a different state or a different segment or um, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, change in the landscape has, has come our way that they're sharing it out. Um, but it's, it, a lot of it is communication and some, some pieces of communication have gotten easier in a remote environment and many of them have gotten harder, you know, so what used to, um, sometimes be five minute conversations where someone would hang up the phone and tell everybody sitting around them, you'll never guess, you know, what, what I just heard from, from this customer, or, um, I just had this really great call, you know, and this is what I learned and, and share that, um, that now means it's, a, it, it takes a lot more intention to share what used to come pretty naturally when speaking to someone sitting next to you. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the inter-team work, uh, you know, we've tackled in different ways. Some of it is, you know, reporting. So what systems and, and processes do we have to, you know, sort of from a more company standpoint, connect those dots and help teams to see, you know, team A has this pipeline in this state and team B has this pipeline in this state. Um, how do we try to connect the dots more effectively and, and give people the information and the tools that they need to see what's going on in other places? Um, but honestly, the most effective way is, the proactive collaboration between the people that are actually in the states, um, and you know, or in the in the markets or the segments, and and having them share those insights, um, you know, with each other, and then start the right conversations and dialogues so that there's the 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 alignment across teams and within teams. Um, but for us, it's it's challenging. You know, territory design, comp plan design. Um, you know, all of these different components need to take into consideration, not just what, you know, the TAM is for any given segment, but what the TAM, um, and, and in a lot of cases, what uh, the uh, SOM might be given, you know, what activities might happen in other teams, you know, so if team A goes and makes a big deal, how does that affect team B and team C and you know, sort of onwards. And, and then when team C sells something, it actually goes right back to team A and they might be impacted as well. And so 
you know, there's, there's sort of this like, you know, web that we we're constantly trying to keep up with and, and as much as we can get ahead of and predict. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we rely so much on you know, a, a really an incredible team of, of sales reps, like I mentioned, who, who just have this, this insane knowledge, um, of the market of the customers, uh, and this really high degree of ownership to, to share out what they know with their teammates to ensure that, you know, we, we sort of have that rising tide lifts all boats, um, effect. Uh, and, and so it's RevOps has a hand, um, but I would say that the primary owners are, are the team. I agree that communication is plays such a vital role and, and it's hard to foster that, you know, or, or to build a process that really encourages it. And I think a lot of it, you know, to a point that you're making when it used to be in the office, it was just the done thing to do. You know, you get one person doing it and everyone goes, oh, well, that's what I should be doing as well, right? Exactly. So I'd open this question up to both of you. So in, you know, the, the world that we live in now with hybrid and remote working becoming so much more commonplace, how, how do you think you start to get that communication going? I mean, we've started with a much more formalized investment in enablement, um, you know, and so there's, we certainly encourage all of the communication and, and collaboration that I mentioned, um, but we've also been investing more and more in more formalized enablement functions to take some of the burden off of the teams um, and ensure that, you know, people know where to go to get the information that they need and the resources that they need. Um, and that we're more proactively pushing out the, the content um, and that we're doing it in a way that is not a one and done. You know, it's really hard for to put the burden on sales leaders or, you know, functions within the organization to not only train teams, but then to do it again and again. No one's going to learn everything on the first go around and likely you need multiple modes of communication Um in many cases, you're going to need to do practices and quizzes and, you know, dry runs and all of that type of thing. And it takes a lot of time and investment to not only do it, but do it well. Um, so one of the the primary things that we've done is continue to invest more and more in enablement. Um, and, and I think that's to the benefit of the entire organization. And Tone, I'd open this up to you as well, because uh, I, I know you're a, a big advocate on our side as well, looking you know, at the tools that we use internally. So from your side, how are you looking to increase that communication? Because I know we, we ourselves have a hybrid uh, sales team. Yeah, I think it's so many different things at any one time. Um, and uh, Jacqueline said, said it so beautifully, is the, the investment that it is that you've got to make and then the commitment thereafter as well. So I think when you're when you're looking to, I suppose, grow as an organization, you have business operations that will that that build in these communication and these feedback loops into the process itself. Um, and then you need the technology enabled to, to to enable that as well. So if the sales team are having great calls, do we have a platform to where we're able to share this over to different teams? Can we tag in the head of product when we when we hear about a, a certain competitor or, or a certain feature? And I think even for me personally, making something visible, really, really visible. So um, you can talk about a sales process, but if if you have an SDR and they do this one thing really, really good, making it visible when they have that success there, um, not just allows them and encourages them to this kind of self-fulfilling, I'm going to do that again because I've, I've got a big pat on the back or I've got a big, huge bit of commission. Um, the whole team go, oh, I, 
I want a little bit of that too. I'm going to do that too. So I think wherever it is that you want something reinforced, whether it's communication, wherever it is, first it's big pats on the back. It's a commitment to it. But um, as Jacqueline rightly said, it's it's having and investing in the right areas to be able to enable all of all of the efforts that it is that are going in as well. And you just have to have people really really dedicated to that. So so your, your your leadership team, just as it is with data, if they're not brought on data. They're, and if they're also not brought on of, of, of the belief in the system, it, it's going to fall down in places that it is that you don't want it to. So you kind of have to build this this network and this this operation, if you will, um, to to be kind of self fulfilling in all the areas that it is that you need to. So yeah, I agree, agree in all fronts. And this leads really nicely onto my my next question. It's something that I really wanted to ask you, Jacqueline, because when I was kind of prepping for this, I was having listened back to you know some of the other podcasts that you've done, like with Sean Lane, and you talked a lot about like the value of um, like building relationships, which resonates a lot with us because because yeah. we love relationships too. Um, why why do you think they are you know so important within you know within your role, but within uh, across the revenue organization as well? Yeah, I mean, I think building solid relationships are pretty critical because in a lot of cases, we're asking people to trust us. Um, you know, we are we are a team that sits in a position that is somewhat, you know, ancillary to the, to the primary role. So, you know, sellers are outselling and they have really high numbers to hit and, and a hard job in front of them. And we're asking them to put a lot of trust in us to help them to deliver on those goals. Um, and a lot of times we're asking people to do things that take them away from what feel like their core selling activities. And to ask people to do that um, requires them to take a leap of faith. And so if you're not invested in building their relationships and to bringing people into the why and um, you know demonstrating how you're adding value back, um, I don't think it's fair to then also ask them to put their trust in you um, in order to, you know, make it so that you're accomplishing your goals when it's not clear how it's actually going to help them accomplish their goals. So the partnership is critical. You know, anyone that's in a revenue operations role has to love being a problem solver in a way that is solving everyone's problems and not just their own. You know, it sort of goes back to the like, you know, data for the sake of data is a waste of time. Data for the sake of actionable insights that allow everyone to get better is a fantastic use of time. You know, which which camp are you in? And I think it's really critical that that from a sort of relationship building standpoint, um, anybody in revenue operations understands what their primary job is, you know, which is to, again, help the revenue organization deliver on their goals. And if you're doing that and you're working with your, your peers and your teammates, um, you're going to be, you know, as a whole, much more successful than if you're trying to go it alone and say, I know what's best. You just need to do what I say without providing back um, you know the value to to your stakeholders. Then I'm not sure you're you're really accomplishing your goals. So I think everything starts with relationships, um, so that you can you can get that trust and and then you can succeed together. I feel like there's a really nice like cycle happening here, where it's around uh, explain the why, communicate it, build that relationship, and rinse and repeat. Right? Um, and, and Tony, is that the same for you? Um, I mean, relationships are absolutely everything. Yeah, for sure. I think um, previously I was in um, employee engagement and I think 
knowing the the impact of a relationship. So this is internal, this is external. It's this invisible, beautiful thing that you can't quantify, you can't codify it. Um, but you you see it in everything that it is that you do. And I always explain it to I think new people, especially coming on to to to, to our business or any other businesses of um you're you're always building relationships forget external you're building relationships constantly internally externally and the way that I like to explain it is if um someone's doing decision making and they have you and they have another person in front of them and they've got to do this one thing and it's got to go to somebody and who is it going to be and if you've sat and you've built those relationships and you provide a value and you've done something with somebody's time and you've built trust and you've done all these things that person is going to do it for you first and I think for me, that really explains it really well, because these invisible decisions that are just quick in our heads that we do every single day is what we build businesses on, what we build process on and how, how we kind of move through all, that, all of our tasks every day. So um, for me, relationships do drive revenue because it is absolutely everywhere. And it's this invisible, powerful thing um, that nobody can kind of pin down. Um, but we all really strive to kind of to be better. So, yeah, it's um relationships are, are wild and wonderful and they take a while to build up and about two seconds to wreck if, if you really want to do it as well so yeah yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we even just from, <laughs> and even from an efficiency standpoint you know when you have the trust and you have the relationship you can make decisions quickly you know you can you can move past problems much more um effectively comp is a huge one you know the number i think it's you can spend years building trust in in compensation design and incentive design to say, you know, the company has your best interests in mind. And it does sometimes take a leap of faith. Um, but when you get to that point where, you know, it's clear that that you have the alignment in the comp plan. So, you know, and I say this to, to our teams all the time, um, you know, if, if I have written a good plan, it means that I can tell you to go work your plan. Mm-hmm. You know, so go make decisions that get you paid because if you're doing that it means you're following your plan and that's what the company wants you to do um you know and and so i can be very transparent and very you know push the push the team to go and and you know try to maximize commissions that's a that's that's the goal go maximize commissions (laughs) and if you're doing that you know you are benefiting the company because we've written the plan in a way that is what is good for you is good for the company um, but then also when those, when those inevitable, you know, gray areas come up where, you know, something sort of fits in between or is not that clear, um, the relationships that we've built allow us to have really candid conversations to say, all right, explain exactly what the scenario is. How is this going to work? Why are we doing it this way versus this other way that maybe we prefer? Um, and we can, we can really work together to understand, okay, we have to, we are, it, it is actually the right call for the organization to go in this direction that maybe isn't ideal, but we're not going to get the deal done otherwise, or there's a specific customer scenario that's, that's pushing us in that direction or whatever it is, you know, and we can have those really candid, honest conversations because we have the relationships and we have the trust to say, you know, no one's looking to, you know, back someone into a corner and take something away from anybody. We're trying to work together to figure out the right decision. Um, you know, and then we'll we will treat everybody as as fairly and as uh, you know equitably as possible, given the decision that we make together. Um, but that comes from the relationship and the trust. And if you don't have that, often you end up spending a lot more time spinning your wheels trying to get into like what's going on, why are we doing this. And people are a lot more reluctant to share because they they're not sure it's going to be good for them. Um, and so, 
you know, the, the investment in the relationship pays itself back in dividends when you, you know, have the, have the trust, have the collaboration and can just work towards the best answer together and know that you have each other's backs. I think so much of that, to, to a point you made there, comes from that transparency and that openness of, you know, this is why I'm saying this, you know, this is why I'm saying that we should be doing it in this way. It's not a case of, oh, you're, you're wrong about it. It's having that open-minded approach to it of, you know, there is a better way of doing things and, and, and much to, I think, as a, as a, has been a common theme throughout our conversation, you know, it benefits everyone, you know, and it's, it's explaining that why as well of, you know, it's not just to benefit me in my role, it's also going to help you at the end of the day, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier in the, in the case of updating your CRM, you know, it's actually the result that you get at the end of it for a rep, it's, you get to make, more more commission at the end of the day, right? It's going to help you to 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 give you the insight that you need to close more deals. So, um, com- completely agree with that point. Final question, Jacqueline. Before we sign off, if there is one book that you could rec- recommend to revenue leaders, like in operations or or even sales, what would it be? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to grab it. So, leadership and self deception is a book. Uh, it's actually by the Arbiter Institute and it's called getting out of the, it, the sort of the, the subline is getting out of the box. It's actually a book that uh, my manager sent me um, to read. Um, hopefully it wasn't too pointed a comment on, on uh, what I need to, what I need to read. <laughs> um, but I would sure, say it. Sure not. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't telling me anything. Um, I thought it was one of those, those types of books that you read and it really changes your, your perspective and, you know, particularly from a cultural standpoint, thinking about our interactions with other people and how we treat other people and, you know, assumptions that we make or, you know, how our perceptions shape our interactions and how critical it is to, you know, really have an open mind um, and, you know, to approach our conversations and our interactions with with other people, um, you know, in a really intentional way. It, it's a book that really changed the mindset that I have when I'm, you know, talking with others and I'm, you know, ascribing perceptions or, or, you know, my takeaways are maybe not always what they intended or, um, you know, vice versa. I would certainly recommend it to anybody, um, but just a, you know, a really solid leadership book um, where I feel like a lot of times you read a leadership book and you're like, oh, okay, um, it was good, but I don't know that it changed the way that I'm going to show up to work every day. Uh, And this one, you know, changed the way that I show up to work every day. Amazing. Right. Downloading that immediately. Yes. Straight on Audible. This is the best question I ask, I think. Um, Jacqueline, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for for, for sharing your insight. Um, Final bit if uh, if anyone in our audience wants to connect, hear more from you, where can they find you? On LinkedIn. Follow me on on LinkedIn. Um, You know, and feel free, anyone to send me me a message. Um, Always looking to connect. Amazing. We'll put uh, Jacqueline's. LinkedIn link uh, down in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Jacqueline, Tony, as always. Thank you so much much for joining us and to to everyone listening. um, It's been great to have you with us. Uh, We'll catch you next week. Thank you all. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for listening to Revenue Insights. If you want to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and we'll deliver every episode straight to your inbox. If you have any questions, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Our links will be in the episode notes. See you next week.